30 Nerdy's presenting sponsor and the home of all of the official 30 Nerdy swag is Advertising Expressions. Juice, what would Superman be without the big S on his shirt? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about Iron Man? What, what if he couldn't slap that Stark Industries logo on everything? You know, Clark and Tony, they probably go to Advertising Expressions, like us, for all their advertising needs. Oh, yeah. And so should you. And when you need your own symbol, like for work, church, school, a team of super friends maybe, check out Advertising Expressions. They can help you get your name and logo in front of as many people as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. That's right. So whether you're a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, or faster than a speeding bullet, check out Advertising Expressions at advertising-expressions.com. Or give them a call at 423-586-3270. And tell them the nerds at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. What's up, nerds and nerdettes? Welcome to another episode of 30 and Nerdy Podcast. I'm your host, the Duke of Nerds, the sweet tea of the nerdy South, Tyler Mack. And joined, of course, by the co-host, the podfather of 30 and Nerdy, the Juice is Loose, the doctor of nerdonomics. He's freshly squeezed. He has done a ton of work for this episode he has watched and watched and watched and noted and noted and noted. He is the, the doc, Dr. Josiah <laughs> What's up, doc? Yeah, I've been writing prescriptions, and the prescription is uh, for uh, one dose of Daredevil, one dose of Ghost Rider, and one dose of The Punisher. Shake it and all it'll, up. It'll fix you right up. Call it a little morning, people. Yeah, except don't really call me. I'm busy. Yeah, please don't. You can leave a speak <laughs> pipe message for him. Uh, so, Juice, um, it's not been that long since we last spoke. I mean, a lot's happened since we last spoke. We last recorded. I've been all over the place, flying here, flying there. Um, so, before we get to all that, how's work? Well, I had an unexpected day off on Friday. We had some uh, crazy like flooding happen here in East Tennessee. So a lot of the schools here in the area were uh, we left early on Thursday and then we were out on Friday. So I had a little unexpected long weekend and um, yeah, didn't get into much, man. I just when I have time off, I sort of just. I'm a recluse here in the house and do my nerdy thing and hang yeah. out with my kid. And that's it. So, you know, that's it. And I bought some new shoes. I'm finally using my gift cards from Christmas. They've Dude, just I'm been still here. so behind on mine. Like, yeah, this is the first. Time. I was like, you know what? Something I would never just drop money on myself is shoes. And I always need shoes. And I, when I do buy shoes, it's like Converse and Vans and stuff. So they're expensive. So I felt like I could justify. So I got me some plain old black and white vans. Nice. And I actually wore them to work today. The children were very impressed. Kiddos were like, 
what are those? Those are clean. Oh, shoot. Nice kick, oh, bro. Sick, sick. Sick. Your shoes are lit. Litty. I don't know what they say. They say all kinds of stuff. Half the time, I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. But they would say something like that, it yes. It probably went, sheesh. They don't do that anymore, I don't think. That was so last sheesh. year. That thing. Was that last year? That, I think that was last year. Because the the group that used to do that all the time, it's Uncle Buck's kid and his friends. All the time. Every sheesh. other sentence, someone said, sheesh. So, and I see them every day, and they don't do that now. So, I guess it's not out. Move past that. Yeah. So, tell us about your adventures, my friend. Okay. So, <clears throat> we recorded, and then Wednesday, I was on a plane, or I was in a car first to Chattanooga. We met my brother, mom, uh, me, and Maddie, and dad, and mom, and all, and jumped on a plane and flew to Texas with a small little layover in Atlanta to go to uh, Peyton's Air Force basic training graduation. So when I packed for Tejas the night before, after we finished recording, and some, it was supposed to be in the high 60s and 70s in Tejas. And then this freak ice storm goes through Texas. Um, sad stuff first canceled 3,000 flights to Texas that were going into Dallas Dallas got hit really hard with this ice storm and it completely altered the temperatures there was like this maelstrom ice storm cold front with it one of those flights going into Dallas Christopher Kelly and the boys oh no so they stayed up, they found out at nine o'clock the night before we were leaving. So Tuesday night, they spent all night and most of the morning finding at least Christopher a flight into San Antonio, one flight. So he still got to come. We missed the boys and I know Peyton missed them. Um, it was sad. Kelly was distraught. I mean, it sucks, but, you know, 3,000 flights. Um. Like 3,000 flights were going into Dallas that one day. That's insane. As they say, Mother Nature does no jobs for Mm -hmm. nobody. So So it altered the temperatures a bit in San Antonio. It looked cold from the pictures that y'all had. 29 degrees and ice rain. Was not prepared whatsoever. Layered up, sitting outside at this graduation. Um, I I have not been that cold uh, here in Tennessee. This place is supposed to be closer to the equator than us. And it's been warmer in Tennessee than it was that day. And it was miserable. Mom's lips were blue when we got back to the house that day after graduation. She was shivering. We had to blanket her up and put her in here because she has diabetes and just came off of surgery and has lost all this weight. So she's not acclimated to being smaller in colder weather. Right, right. So uh, her lips were blue. So we like, I did this old trick. It's probably not safe. I grabbed a space heater from the closet of this, this VRBO that we used. 
put it under the blanket and put the blanket over her so it like made an oven basically yeah. you know they say don't do that because it'll catch cloth on fire but it didn't it helped her so about the graduation this was the coolest thing i've ever seen um everybody in step just arm movement foot movement head turns everything it was like when the elves show up to helms deep that precise precise and to see my sister doing it and i swelled up with tears i was like oh my god like this is awesome um her hair is brunette now because she's for eight weeks she's not you know been around a hairdresser um so it's no longer really blonde um but uh so her uh troop out of the massive graduation class they graduate from the air force every thursday every thursday there's a graduation in the air force base just hers and unless it falls on christmas day but Think about that. Every Thursday, someone's graduating Air Force basic training. And they still, the military is still only 1% of our population on this country. But they graduate that many. That's amazing. It's awesome. And so her troop, the Wolf Pack, um, her troop got highest academic acknowledgement out of the 20 other troops that were graduating um her her little group of 17 people their their troop got highest academic praise and she through some political bullcrap got screwed out of top graduate of the entire base so her and this one guy were neck and neck She'd pass the test, he'd pass the test. She'd do this, he'd do this. And so she was three points ahead of him to be top graduate of the entire base that week. And he got four extra points for being basically the the freaking hall monitor. He got he was selected for that. It was like I can't remember what it was called, troop leader or something, which you're selected to be. He just happened to be selected. That's like saying, uh, Josh, you got the highest grades the whole year, but I got valedictorian because I was the hall monitor. I got a bonus point for being the hall monitor. It's almost like when Slytherin wins the House Cup and, you know, yeah. at the last minute, Dumbledore is like, hey, guys, here's actually." Some uh so yeah we were a little bummed out about that it was very political um but just she said that the whole garrison like was giving him like there is a girl nipping on your tails and you literally won it by a freak thing and honestly they said that if they had had time to change it a lot of the garrison was like voted to change it and they're like we don't have time before before we graduate so we're just going to keep it so she's second because of that and that's still awesome just knowing that like oh my god she made us so proud it was so awesome uh a morristown girl um 
uh, a McDaniel girl. I mean, we were just beyond the moon. Um, she got to go off base with us for a few hours. And so we went down to the river walk and ate. And even though it was freezing cold, we got to see her. And that's all that really matters. Um, she's now in Virginia. Uh, and the craziest thing happened. And this is true McDaniel fashion, true Chris McDaniel fashion. So um, my the highest ranking general of the Air Force is from Morristown. And his wife went to school with my dad. Wow. So <laughs> they're just talking on Facebook. And he just like makes a joke. You got any connections? And so the day before graduation, she gets sequestered to this booth because she has received a phone call from this five-star general of the Air Force, the highest ranking Air Force member in the land, to speak to her and to talked to her and to see how things were going and talked about dad and talked about his wife being in school and talked about wow. you know, her life and all of her accomplishments and how proud he is to see that a Morristown girl graduated so top of the Air Force. And then he said, I see here that you have your master's degree. You don't want to go to officer's training. And she said, well, my recruiter said I couldn't. He said, oh, did he? He went looking at all of your, your, he was like looking at basically, I would say her file <laughs> that I guess everybody has in their life. Uh, he said, you were prime candidate to be an officer. And if you wanted to go to officer training, you should have said something. You wouldn't have had to go through these eight weeks of hell. You'd have just gone to schooling to become an officer in Virginia. And then we would have sent you to Colorado for six weeks Oops. to become an officer. And he basically did some more digging and went down the chain of command. And this poor recruiter wound up in deep, deep, deep trouble, possibly lost his job. Um, all because he, and this is no offense to if you're a recruiter, I understand it. Recruiters have a quota. And a lot of them to reach that quota will say things. So he just blatantly told Peyton, no, 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 you won't be able to go to officers training. Uh, we're not, they're not taking anybody right now and blah, blah, blah. You should do this. And so the general was like, I'm going to contact you next week when you get to Virginia. And I want you to seriously think about this. If so, I'll make the change right now and you'll be in Colorado and you can become an officer of the air force more money you know you will get your job your dream job and i was like oh dad what did you do oh no and he just had that chris mcdaniel face like what i just asked if she knew anybody and i was like god that is the most mcdaniel thing that's ever happened and she's telling us everything she's had to do and he's red-faced in the corner just like whoops <laughs> Um, but it's funny. It, it's just this crazy turn of events. Um, Maddie got to go with us. She had never been to Texas. So she was 
We got to see the Alamo. We were at the Alamo Juice on the anniversary of the battle, standing wow. outside of it, beside the massive statue of Davy Crockett. And all I felt like screaming was, Go Vols, you're welcome, Texas. Um, and it was really cool. So you did you go to uh, Dean's? Uh, no. So that turned out, Austin turned out being about an hour and a half away from where we were. Um, and with weather being so ugly and us being so tired, nobody really wanted to make the trip. Initially, when we were going down there, everybody was like, yeah, we'll go to eat at that brewery. You know, we'll go on Friday. But it was so ugly out and we were so tired and cold and nobody really wanted to get out. So maybe next time. Um, I wasn't, I was, you know, I was bummed, but I wasn't like this run the trip because I got yeah. to see Peyton and she did so well. Um, so she's in Virginia now and the, the game changer is she has her phone with her. So I can just text her now and it's changed a lot. Um, and <laughs> like going into the graduation, we were told by people who had had family in the military is like, Oh, you won't recognize her. She'll be totally different. You won't recognize her. I said, first off, military is not going to change Peyton McDaniel. <laughs> um, and second off, she turned that corner with her troop, and me and Nolan both just pointed and said, there she is. Yeah. And I was like, how'd you know? And Nolan was like, she's got these cheeks, man. She's these cute little yep. cheeks. So, of yep. course, we can pick her out. And we're her brothers. We could pick her out of a lineup from a 1,000 yards away. Yep. Um, but it was great. Um, we missed the kids, uh, and that all sucked, but, and, you know, it was, but we made the best of, of the situation and, and it was great. It was great to have Madison with us. And, um, while, while we were together, Maddie asked Peyton to be her maid of honor. So that was really cool. Um, um, but yeah, it was great. Uh, the, Then we hopped on a plane and came home, and me and Maddie drove to Knoxville and saw Rent on Saturday night. Right. During Broadway show. It's its farewell tour. Uh, you know how those go. In five years, it'll be back. But it was its farewell tour. The cast was great. The Mimi was the best Mimi I've ever seen do it. From I've seen it on Broadway. This is my second time seeing it tour. I saw you do it, and I've seen the movie. It's the best meme ever. She brought the house down. The weakest part of the cast was Roger. He didn't have a rock and roll voice. I know how it goes, man. <laughs> he did not have a a rock and roll voice. It was it was a, a tenor voice. It was high, and it was well, there was no gruff to it. It's um, uh, it's a tough role, and uh, when you're talking you know about people who are broadway people you know it's that's yeah. a tough style to match yeah, it's a tough style to completely inhabit and you could uh, tell that he had the voice to be an amazing anthony and sweeney tot or um Raoul and phantom of the opera but joseph or something like that joseph yeah but just not a roger um but he didn't do bad. It just was not right. Um, but other than that, it was great. It was a fantastic show. Um, and then it was, 
we had a combined birthday party yesterday for our friends Emma and Peyton and Hunter and got to see them and hang out and then it was back to work today and and I wasn't going to talk about this but I feel like I need to vent I texted y'all on the group message um we were having pictures done today uh for our website at work which is a, a gracious sponsor of this show um and actually our dear friend Zach came through and did some stickers for Tennessee Legend Distillery uh these it's this Sasquatch uh, silhouette with the Tennessee flag logo in the center of it. And it's, and it's just him walking and the owner loves Sasquatch. So they loved it. He brought some extra shirts cause he's just freaking kind. He may, I was, I've been working with this slogan. Uh, if you don't know about cryptids, the Tennessee version of Sasquatch is called the Tennessee wild man. Uh, so I've been working with this slogan, this idea for a shirt for the for the distillery called Let's Get Tennessee Wild, man. And he made this shirt with the slogan on the back, and it's got this Sasquatch logo on the front, walking with a peace sign holding up, and it's got our logo, and it says Walk Among Legends on the front, and it's really cool, and he brought the owner one, and our uh, marketing person one, and Brian one, and out of the kindness of his heart made me one. And the owner fell in love with it, and now she has him doing separate stuff. So that got him a connection with Tennessee Legend Distillery, which was really awesome. Um, so back to this guy. This guy has been started out okay. He is a fellow nerd and probably a little bit more versed in parts of nerd culture that we don't. Like he's really into kaiju and cryptids and anime and card gaming and that those sects of nerd nerdum. Uh, he watches Marvel, he watches DC, he's read the comics, uh, but he's also a a know it all. He knows all of it, even if he knows he doesn't know what he's talking about. He knows all of it, and he's a bit of a a tacky individual uh you know how i feel about crocs well that's all this guy wears they are these bright red crocs they look literally in yellow crocs they, they look like lightning mcqueen on his feet is what they look like and it's all he wears and i'm not trying to say you know you do you power to you you know i would never want anybody to change me but he Politically, he lines up with us, but personally, he's just off-putting. So think season three, Andy Bernard. Season three and season four, Andy Bernard. Nard Dog, when he first came in, yeah. that's him. And I didn't even point it out. Brian pointed that out. I, was yeah, like, I hope he doesn't listen. Oh, he doesn't. Um, he, so we were supposed to do these pictures for our website and all of us were individually supposed to pick something, one shirt or one memorabilia of Tennessee legend to, we were going to be the models for our site, uh, for our shirts, for our hats, for our sunglasses, for stuff like that. And I was the first to say, I'll, I choose the, this shirt, the may the whiskey be with you shirt. I got you one for Christmas. 
And I'm going to wear that with my black jeans, my black jean jacket. And is it cool if I bring my lightsaber? And the person doing the pictures who runs all of our publicity and all of our socials goes, hell yes, please do. Everybody's picking stuff. He never chimes in. He's read it. His name's under the reading thing. Never chimes in. At 11 o'clock, they came in, him and his wife, fiance, came into work today. And this, this son of a gun is doing exactly what I said I was going to do. Knowing full well that I would just have to get over it, that it was my thing that I picked. Knowing full well that he was going to get to go first in the photos. And now I look like the asshole copying. And my back was to the door when he entered. And Brian just looks over my shoulder and goes, oh, no. How went what? And I turn around and I go, you have got to be freaking kidding me. And I was like, there's no way this. He's like, I know, I know, I know. Please don't kill him. I was like, just, just. He's like, let's just go with the fact that he's so self-centered that he doesn't see anything wrong with what he's doing. Let's plead ignorance in his case. And I was like, ignorance or not. That's tacky. And rude. And just a jerk move, man. I was like, petty and silly to be upset about it. Yeah, by God, I'll admit it. I'm being petty right now. But damn it. Like, are you kidding me? Well, he sounds like a great guy. He immediately knew I have gotten under Tyler's skin. And then he wanted to act like it's BS that Tyler's upset. (laughs) I was like, you? And his fiance walked up to me and was like, I had no idea. She knows. She knows exactly who she's with. Uh, I am so sorry. Had he said anything like Tyler's doing the same thing, Tyler picked this, I would have said change right now. She was like, it's extremely rude. I'm so sorry. She's the sweetest human being other than Maddie that I've ever met. And I'm just like, my God, man, like you're taking my peace, (laughs) you know, and you shouldn't be, but you are. Uh, So it has just been a Monday. Do you you feel better? I do. I actually do feel a little better now. Okay. Um, Yeah, I do feel a little bit better, but that's been, my last six days. <laughs> I feel like I was felt like that was going to lead me to a nerd word. Like when you're the guy that copies somebody's idea, <laughs> N- nerd, nerdy cat, copycat, nerd. <laughs> copycat. A- um, no, you know I, uh, I I didn't want to. Uh, however, it. it it didn't lead into the nerd word that you thought about, but it does cue up this, this great nerd word. It's called Blath Nerdiskite. <laughs> A nerd who talks at great length about nerd culture without making much sense. Ah, yes. yes. Can you say it again? Can you say Blath Nerdiskite. Blath Nerdiskite. Yeah, like a blatherskite, but nerd. 
A Bluff Nerdist guy. Wow. A nerd who talks at great length about nerd culture without making much sense. Which and I'm sure steals your ideas. And steals your ideas. Uh, and I think that's what the most upsetting thing about it was, was it was so blatant. Like, just rude. You know? The um, audacity. These full-on audacity. The audacity the un- of it all. The unmitigated gall. Ugh. But yeah, so um, let's talk about some good things. Um, and this this is sounds awesome, but I really hope it doesn't sway us to go in too cocky about the movie. But IGN just recently released something that is very rare of IGN, and it is a 10 out of 10 rating. Very, very few times has this happened. The Batman has gotten IGN's 10 out of 10 rating. Uh, and we are going to see it this Saturday. Uh, the tickets are bought. The seats are reserved. I'm pretty sure we're almost in the same spot that we were for No Way Home, uh, which is exciting. All six of us all together. And so I'm excited. I'm not going to let this just make it me coast into it, knowing it's a 10 out of 10. I mm-hmm. said multiple times, I rarely give anything a 10 out of 10. Uh, I hope I come out going, Oh my God, my life has changed forever. Yep. Um, but like just hearing all this, like 10 out of 10, it re- being one of the only other comic book movies to receive the AMC, you know, artisan award and stuff like that. Like, okay, don't let that, get you too comfortable something may happen that you don't like or like i know you're a little hesitant on the riddler being like jigsaw yeah yeah we'll see you know but i'm excited okay with with other versions of things and yeah you know i it's okay um i just yeah i don't know i i'm 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 not gonna let this sway me either and I've been in this habit of like not getting my hopes up about anything. Like it sounds kind of cynical, but I'm just like going in real yeah. low key to everything, you know. And then if it happens to live up to the expectations of the outside world, then great, you know. And if not, then I'm not that let down. So I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to it. I see that it's three hours. That worries me a little bit about my bladder. Um, but you know what? We'll, Cross that bridge when comes. It's going to be like Pelennor Fields all over again from yeah. Return of the King. That's yeah. just, yeah, if I can make it through that, I can make it through this. Yes, you can. <laughs> so, speaking of Batman, I came across a story that I did not know about. It's, it's called Batman Unchained. And so, I'm just going to read this story uh, and get your thoughts. So, the success of Batman Forever led Warner Brothers to give director Joel Schumacher the green light to do a fourth film, which would go on to become Batman and Robin, one of the worst superhero films ever made. However, during the production of Batman and Robin, Warner Bros. was apparently so impressed with the dailies they were receiving, they gave Schumacher the chair again for a fifth film titled Batman Unchained. Mark... Protechevich was hired to write the script and a release date was set for June of 99. George Clooney, Chris O'Donnell, and Alicia Silverstone were set to reprise their roles as Batman, Robin, and Batgirl. 
Nicolas Cage was the top choice to play Scarecrow. Courtney Love was top choice to play Harley Quinn. The villains would have been Scarecrow and Harley Quinn, who would be a toy maker and the Joker's daughter. She would team up with Scarecrow to take down Batman and avenge her father's death. The plot would have involved Batman ending his partnership with Robin and having effaced his past demons. Scarecrow would eventually subdue Batman with fear toxin, and Batman would hallucinate a scenario where he would, ha he would have to face all of his previous enemies. Eventually, Batman and Robin would reconcile and work together to defeat Harley Quinn and Scarecrow. The film would have ended with Bruce Wayne traveling to Bali and entering a cave where he allowed himself to be swarmed by bats to show that he has conquered his fear. Bat and it, we would have received cameos from previous villains. Batman Unchained was meant to be a far darker and more mature than either of Joel Schumacher's previous two Batman films. Contrary to popular belief, Schumacher had always wanted to do a darker Batman film, but WB insisted that he keep family-friendly flicks because they were more profitable. The preparation for Unchained came to a screening halt when Batman and Robin was released in 97 to <laughs> terrible reviews. The film received extremely negative reviews and became the lowest grossing entity in the franchise. This circumstances are the ultimately led to the cancellation of Batman Unchained. Despite being canceled, though, Batman Unchained would go on to influence future content, including Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins, which used the theme of fear and had Scarecrow as the villain, a scene in which Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne faces a swarm of bats in a cave. Yeah. Also, the plot of the 2015 video game Batman Arkham Knight was said to be directly inspired by the script for Batman Unchained. So imagine if we'd have gotten this. If Batman and Robin wasn't a failure and we'd have gotten this Batman Unchained installment. People would have found things to complain and whine about, but parts of it would have been really cool. Yes. That's what would have happened. Nicholas Cage as the Scarecrow. Oh, yeah. I would have loved it. Because one thing that I've always thought and I've never put to words in TJ, uh, a rehearsal during Sherlock, actually, put this into words that I've been trying to say for years. And I was like, that's right. That's exactly what I've been trying to say. Is Nicolas Cage is phenomenal because he will give 120% to a performance. It might not be good. It might be great. But he will always give 120%. Yeah. I was like, that's so true. That's Nick Cage in a, in a wrapped in a bow. It's like he'll give his all. It might not be a great story, a great script, or a great movie. But by God, he gives it. And I would imagine him as Scarecrow. I don't know about Courtney Love as Harley Quinn. Um, I don't know. I could see it, especially 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, something years ago. Yeah. I could see it. And, you know, I was thinking, like, oh, people, their heads would explode. Oh, Harley Quinn is his daughter instead of Joker's girlfriend. But, you know, at that time, Harley Quinn had only been around, like, three or four years. She yeah. wasn't, like, this big deal at the time. Most people wouldn't have even known who she was. Yeah. So I think it would have worked at that time. Now you can never. Right. Do something like that. Yeah. Now you couldn't change the lore. No. Um, 
I mean, I, I, I would have probably been happy with it. Um, but I think they were also smart to say, well, Batman and Robin didn't work. So let's just go ahead and cancel this thing right now. Cause you might not get butts back in the seats. Sorry, Clooney. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, uh, another story I uh, wanted to talk about is uh, Matt Cardona basically being Zack Ryder Thanos of the wrestling world. Yes, sir. Collecting up to 15 titles now, collecting belts left and right, being booked solid by people, doing good work. Um, I've went back and watched some of the stuff that he's been doing online at like New York wrestling, game changing wrestling, stuff like that. And he's great, dude. Like the stuff he's doing in impact and how hard he is and how just no F's given. I love it. He's always been good, dude. Yeah. He's, he's always, always been good. And I'm so happy that he's, cause we for years wanted him to yeah. have that success in the big leagues and um, never happened. And, you know, I'm so glad that he's seeing all the success that he is. And he put up something a couple weeks ago. It made me laugh. It was like, just think I could be missing that Royal rumble paycheck uh, chasing the 24 seven title right now or something like that. It's like, yeah, that's right, buddy. You tell him. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, at the, on the same token, like, we just lost Cesaro from WWE. His contract, he didn't re-sign, which. I wouldn't you know, have either. I don't blame him. But it's like everybody, because his contract ran out, it wasn't like he was released. He, he doesn't have to follow that 90-day loophole. Yeah. Like, you can't appear on it. Like, that's why Keith Lee had to wait so long. But it's like, okay, yeah, let's say he goes to AEW and he makes an appearance and, and it's a big deal. Then what? Then what, Christian? Then what, Big Show, Mark Henry? CM then Punk, what? Jericho. Uh, well, CM Punk's doing stuff with MJF, though. But, like, uh, J- uh, then what, Jay Lethal? Jay like, Lethal? Jay Lethal's in AEW. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. But he's not done anything since then. So it's like they, they do these big, hey, there they are. There they are. The surprise is great. But if everything's a surprise, then it's like nothing's a surprise, you know? Yeah. And then they die out because there's the roster is just jam-packed. Oversaturated. We definitely need a third big-time promotion. Yeah. That would happen. We do. We do need a third big-time promotion. Um, But I'm happy for Matt Cardona. Um, Like I said, we've always been a fan. I know – when he first debuted as Zack Ryder, when he was stopped being a major brother and came out as Zack Ryder to that, oh, radio. And he had that one side was. Hated those tights. Tights. One side was trunks. You hated, hated those. I liked them because they were different. They don't like it. Goofy. Yeah. Pick one, man. Just pick, <laughs> one. pick a lane. Um, and plus, we'd say woo, woo, woo all the daggum time. Oh, yeah, broski. Uh, I hope I hope that he continues to receive the, the amounts of success that he has been. I hope he gets 20 titles. I mean, the NWA, being the NWA champion is a huge thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, his, his title case at home is getting bigger. And sometimes that's what you have to do when – 
you know, maybe you'll be taken serious now and maybe a couple few years down the road, he'll be back in the big league somewhere mm-hmm. and taken more serious. Make a bigger splash so. for sure. I really hope so. Me too. Um, speaking of Batman though, I uh, have been playing through the Arkham games. As I told you, I am uh, about to get to the death of Joker in Arkham city. Um, and uh, protocol 10 is like 20 minutes away from happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm enjoying it, but I think like we talked off air uh, the last episode, City's not my favorite. I think at one point it was for some reason, and I think it was because the vastness of it as opposed to being stuck in one asylum. But the vastness now I'm like. It, it's re- repetitive, even though it's vast. Um I'm, I will probably go to Arkham Knight next and then save Arkham Origins for later. Uh, Arkham Origins isn't on Xbox. Yeah, you got to do the old 360 for that one. Yeah, or the PS3 that I have. I can get it on that. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm enjoying it, and it actually gave me an idea that maybe down the road we could do Dreamcast, an Arkham movie. Yeah, let's do it. That would be great. That was fantastic. a lot of fun uh, last week. So. It was fun last week. Um, I got in a little bit of feedback, some people uh, um, tweeting and stuff like that saying, I love your all's cast lists. Now I want to see it happen. Uh, you know what? I'd love to see it happen too. Yeah, I got to say, I was kind of dogging my list. And then when I went back and, and listened to it, when it was all said and done, I did better than I thought on a lot of yeah. them. I was pretty happy with uh a lot of my choices. I thought we did a good job. I think so, too. And if you haven't listened to that, that is the episode before this one. Go back to wherever you cast your pod and listen to Dreamcast, the Marauders. Uh, however, um, we later on are going to be talking about the days before the MCU. Um, and before we get to that, we are in our last episode of February and our last celebration of Heroes of Color. Um and it wouldn't be right unless I said it. Now, we celebrate people of color and different religions, orientations, whatever your difference may be from us. We, we celebrate that every day for you. Uh, but we wanted to do a special segment each episode of February celebrating heroes of color. Uh, Juice, who is yours for our final episode? My final choice, last but not least, is Black Panther T'Challa. Uh, so he was created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. And as is the case with most creations by those two, there's, you know, some dispute on who came up with what and who really, you know, yeah. the one who did most of the work on it. Uh, but he was the first superhero of African descent in mainstream American comics. He debuted in the Fantastic Four, number 52, in July 1966. Now, uh, he is not based on the political party the, the black panther party uh yeah. but he was uh, the character was inspired by this pulp adventure hero who had like a black panther as a pet or something like that that stan had allegedly read as a kid and that's where it comes from now for a while because things with the black panther party and all the stuff in california was going on really heating up um they changed his name to leopard man for a little while but then he he changed back you know of course so uh some Things I learned about him, he lived in Wakanda his whole life until, of course, he went to New York City to join the Avengers and help out with them. Um, I learned that Wakanda 
maybe I knew this, but I forgot. But Wakanda, years and years and years ago, the, the meteorite had hit them. And whoever was the, the king at the time said, oh, you know, this is great for us, but the whole world's going to be coming in to try to, you know, get some of this vibranium meteor. This is this precious metal. So we're going to completely isolate ourselves and hide ourselves from the entire outside world. So it, they had been hidden for forever, you know, since ancient times. Now, the Black Panthers, of course, is the title given to the king of Wakanda. He gets his powers through this herb, this heart-shaped herb that he eats, and it gives him, you know, agility and knowledge. He can uh, uh, sort of uh, connect with every previous Black Panther throughout history. He has superhuman strength and endurance, speed, agility, reflexes, stamina, and senses. He can smell things from really far away. He's an expert hunter, hand-to-hand combat, genius level intellect, uh, a highly proficient tactician, uh, strategist, and he uses his vibranium suit and claws as his weapons. Now, uh, he goes on to marry the X-Men Storm at uh, one point, and uh, they go on all kinds of fun adventures. She becomes the king of Wakanda. And hopefully we'll see that in the movies in some form or fashion one day. I don't know what the plan is with Black Panther after the passing of uh, Chadwick Boseman, uh, who we saw debut as T'Challa in Civil War in 2016. It was one of the best parts of that movie, actually, other than Spider-Man showing up. And uh, oddly enough, uh, he had his own solo film a couple years later that grossed one point three billion dollars that's amazing i I shouldn't say oddly enough we sort of expected it would do well but yeah it's amazing 1.3 billion dollars and now we're waiting on the sequel uh next year i think yes i I don't really know what the plan is or what's going on with all that but i'm looking forward to it and i think there's also going to be a disney plus show that's going to be about the dora milaje right so yeah I decided to go big for the last one. So Black Panther. That's great. I know I, I had teased you that I might go to like Dark Horse or something. I thought about doing Rumor from the Umbrella Academy. Um, but I wanted to uh, stick with DC. And I wanted to talk about someone who I don't think gets enough discussion about uh especially since he this character has been killing it in the superman and lois uh show uh and that's john henry irons aka steel uh steel is a fictional superhero appears in comic books published by dc he is a genius engineer who built a mechanized suit of armor that replicates superman's powers and bears superman's logo Initially, he sought to replace Superman after Superman was killed by Doomsday. After Superman was resurrected, Superman accepted Steel as an ally. His real name, John Henry Irons, and he wields a sledgehammer. This is a reference to the mythical railroad worker, John Henry. He has a niece named Natasha Irons, who is also a superhero in similar mechanized suit of armor. Uh, some of his, uh, he first appeared in the Adventures of Superman number 500 in 1993. Uh, he was created by Luis Simonson and John Bogdan- Bogdanov, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Um, he has been a member of the Justice League, Star Labs, Superman of America, Suicide Squad. Uh, also bore the nickname The Man of Steel. 
He is a genius engineer and inventor. Powered armor grants superhuman strength, durability, endurance, flight, various other cybernetic armaments, variety of communication and sensor arrays, wields a seemingly indestructible mallet. Um, he has been seen in the live action film world in 1997, played by Shaquille O'Neal. Remember that movie? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not so good. Not so good. Uh, Wale Parks portrays and is killing the role in the Arrowverse television series Superman and Lois. Um, fantastic stuff. I have thoroughly enjoyed getting to know more about Steel through Superman and Lois and their play on the character. Um, if you go back and watch the death of Super or the reign of the Superman movie, which happens after Superman dies, he's one of the Superman that help in his absence. Uh, if you also go back and watch the Justice League show, Justice League Unlimited, I believe, not the first Justice League, but the second series called Unlimited, uh, still is in quite a few story arcs in that as well. Uh, so that is my choice for this episode. Uh, Steel, a.k.a. John Henry Irons. Uh, definitely check out some issues on him. Uh, go back and watch that animated show uh, and that animated movie to learn more about him. And if you aren't watching Superman and Lois, I highly, highly, highly suggest it. It is fantastic. One of the best Arrowverse shows we've gotten. It's on the list. <laughs> Your list I, is growing. In, the endless list. Superman and Lois, you just made the list. <laughs> and you know what else made the list? Daredevil, Ghost Rider, and The Punisher, which mm. we're going to talk all about after this break from our sponsors. I'm going to get a drink. Nice segue. I thought so, too. <laughs> you didn't have to say that, but you did. Encore is continuing their exciting 16th season with The Magician's Nephew by Arndt Harris, and based on the fantasy classic by C.S. Lewis. This production runs March 18th through the 26th at Encore's new home at Oak Tree Plaza, 1570 Buffalo Trail in Morristown, Tennessee. For tickets to this show or season tickets for the entire year, go to etcplays.org or call 423-813-8331. Encore Theatrical Company believes in the power of the arts, and if you come check out what Encore has to offer, we're certain you will too. Because it's not just theater, it's Encore. Tennessee Legend Distillery was founded in 2015 and has quickly become one of the top distilleries for natural extracts and ingredients in its spirits. With no high fructose corn syrup, artificial sweeteners, or harmful ingredients, Tennessee Legend Distillery has four locations in the state of Tennessee without Newport, Sevierville, Cookville, and Nashville distilleries. You see, at Tennessee Legend Distillery, we have spent more time focused on the quality of our spirits than the number of our stores. We have a great selection of non-flavored spirits as well, like vodka, bourbon, whiskey, and gin. Tennessee Legend Distillery has multiple awards and medals for state, national, and international spirit contests, and even carries 2019's Best Tasting Whiskey in the state of Tennessee with our Salted Caramel 60 Proof Whiskey. 
We offer discounts for veterans, active military, nurses, police officers, firefighters, first responders, and even multiple bottle discounts. Don't live in Tennessee? We ship to select states. Go to GACraftSpirits.com to see if we deliver to you. That's G-A-C-R-A-F-T-S-P-I-R-I-T-S dot com. If you stop by the Sevierville location, tell them 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you and be a legend with Tennessee Legend Distillery by receiving a free shot glass and 15% off of your order. What are you waiting for? Cheers to you. Hey guys, my name is JT. What's up everyone, I'm Darren. Hey, what's up guys, I'm Josh. Hey guys, I'm Christian. Hey, what's up y'all, this is Dominic and we're the East Coast Avengers. We're a group of five friends who get together weekly and talk about everything that's going on in the nerd universe. Whether you're a fan of Marvel, DC, Star Wars, video games, comics, or anything else nerdy that you can think of, we're the podcast for you. You can find us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever streaming platform you use to listen to your favorite podcasts on. You can also catch us on our YouTube channel where we release tons of content such as vlogs, unboxings, TV and movie recaps, and trailer reactions. So if those things sound good to you, then check out the East Coast Avengers podcast. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back, nerds and nerdettes, to the final episode of February. We are celebrating some days before the mcu now before we get started i have to say this may be a part one opportunity because there's so many days before the mcu Mm -hmm. that we don't really think about this is the first i would i would surmise of days before the mcu but the three that we are focusing on are three good ones like i i we joke about what what did we hate about them like, when, when did we start saying, like, oh, was it because of the MCU? Was it because of social media? Was it because of being swayed by public opinion? Yeah. But the three we're like, talking about, going back and watching them, I enjoyed it. I had a great time. Yeah. When when did it become, oh, Ben Affleck, Daredevil, LOL, you know? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But I, what, let's just jump right in. Let's just jump right in. So I put these in the order that, that I watched them. And I'll okay. say, before we go much much further, I watched director slash extended cuts of all three of these. Okay. Now, apparently it changes things drastically for Daredevil, um, according to all the things I have read and listened to online. Ghost Rider, I couldn't tell any difference. Uh, and Punisher also couldn't tell much of a difference. Now, to be fair, I haven't seen these movies in probably 10 years or more, all three of them. Yeah. So, you know, I wasn't sure. Some of the Daredevil stuff, because I think I knew it best back in the day. Mm-hmm. Some things I could tell, oh, this is new. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I had a great time. And, you know, sounds like you did, too. And Both uh, Ghost Rider and Punisher come on FX quite a bit during the day. Like if it's like Thanksgiving and you're perusing the TV, you're probably most likely to see one of those two coming on on the FX channel quite a bit. I had no idea. Friday nights and stuff. Yeah, I didn't know that they they did that. Yeah. Uh, 
because, you know, I just feel like people just have forgotten about all these things since we have such great things now with the MCU. Mm. Let's just jump on into Daredevil here. Okay. Uh, and before we start, you know, I always like to give the deets. So Daredevil was released in uh, 2003 on Valentine's Day, in fact. Valentine's Day 2003 was written and directed by Mark Stephen Johnson, who we also know from Grumpy Old Men, Jack Frost, Christopher Robin, and all that stuff. Had that a budget. Jack Frost was Michael Keaton? Yes, sir. Great movie. Uh, the rights for this movie were, th- it was like hot potato, switched around, thrown about, changed a lot uh, from 20th Century Fox to Columbia Pictures, to finally to New Regency. Uh, budget of $78 million and at the box office brought in $180 million. So it was successful, did yeah. well. Uh, I can't remember if I saw it in theaters or not. Can't recall. Uh, but I know I was very excited about it and I saw the previews for it. Maybe like, uh, it was uh, chamber of secrets. They yeah. showed the, the trailer for daredevil. And I was like, ah, yeah. yes, I'm going to see that, uh, on rotten tomatoes, which we normally don't talk about rotten tomatoes just, but because we're thinking back to why do people hate on them so much, you know, whatever, I thought it would be good to yeah. include this. Uh, 44% positive reviews on Rotten Tomatoes with an average rating of 5.2 out of 10. Oh, and it spawned the Electra sequel, which I did see in the theaters, I remember for sure, because I saw it one day after school in high school, and that was the one and only time I've seen it because there was nothing good or memorable about it. Yeah. Uh, I did not see Electra in theater. I did see Daredevil. Um, I waited for the DVD for Electra, and was not blown away. Do you remember anything about it? Uh, Jennifer Gardner's resurrected at the beginning. <laughs> uh, I'm trying. I have to try to. Is a close up of her tombstone. Yeah. yeah. And the hand pops up. <laughs> um, Electra 2. Was the hand involved or is that the show? That's the show, Daredevil. No, the, I think the hand was... Was, was the in, hand uh, involved the in the movie? Electra, okay. In the Electra movie, yeah. Okay. Uh, Terrence, uh, forget his full name, the guy that was Chancellor Valorum and uh, Venom Menace. He was stick. Yeah. He was stick? Okay. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> I enjoyed going back and seeing Daredevil. And as we've said, while I was watching it, I can't remember what I despised about it. And I think it was one of those things where, you know, obviously nothing is perfect and there's going to be issues with everything for everybody, different things for different people. Um, At the time, the only thing I'd really seen Ben Affleck in was probably Armageddon, Jay and Silent Bob movies. So I don't know where he came in as part of the punishment <laughs> for Daredevil. Well, um, he himself is not proud of it, and, and he did not like it. In fact, he has said that part of the reason he was so anxious to do Batman was because he wanted to get this taste out of people's mouths. Yeah. Um, Stan Lee didn't like it which he was normally he praised everything, but he said, you know, it was too tragic. It it was too dark. So he didn't like that aspect of it. Uh, Me as, as a kid in 2003, I loved all that dark stuff. 
Well, yeah, maybe that's the aspect of it. Maybe it was a very DC Marvel movie. Yeah. The way they did Daredevil is that was very Batman. Plus, we were coming off of Schumacher's Batman movies. Yeah, which is sort of why they expected it to do so well. Like, this was right at the beginning of the big boom of superheroes. Like, Spider-Man, X-Men had been so successful. So, they kind of got an increase in budget due to that. And, you know, it did so well. And then, in retrospect, people kind of look back on it sort of, meh, you know. Oh, speaking of Ben Affleck, he got his third Worst Actor Award for this movie. He got it also in uh, G- Geely, Geely, Jennifer Lopez, yeah, and something else. Um, so yeah, he's not remembered very fondly for his role as Daredevil. But you know, I gotta say, I thought he looked great. Yeah, and spin the suit was cool. But there were these specific moments where, like, he was really angry, and he had the Daredevil mask on, and he would come up beside one of the bad guys, and he had this look like he was gritting the teeth it looked like it was straight out of the comic i thought he looked great yeah but a lot of the reviews and people's complaints say uh, he was kind of dull he wasn't very good i liked him myself it's not the best marvel movie obviously um even in the days before the mcu it wasn't the best one it's not his worst performance in my opinion it's it's got those daredevil cast of characters you know it's got bullseye it's got kingpin it's got electra it's I will also say, like, there's a lot of things about Colin Farrell's Bullseye that were kind of cool. Yeah. But there were a lot of things about it that were kind of hokey, too. Yeah. Like, he was just like, why was he so crazy all the time? He had these big eyes, and he was, like, twitching and doing all these weird movements and stuff. Like, eh, I didn't really get that. I would have liked – the accent was cool and everything. That's the first movie he ever got to do his genuine, real uh, Irish accent, by the way. That part was cool, but like, I don't know, some of the mannerisms and the physicality I didn't like. And, you know, was it in the normal cut when he's talking to Kingpin and uh, he says, I want an effing costume? He doesn't say effing. Right. He doesn't say effing, yeah. but I'm saying effing. So he's that's in the regular cut? Costume. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A lot of this movie was inspired by the Kevin Smith run in Daredevil, he, which I actually just read recently. I, I went back and read that. Like the one of the first shots of him kind of hanging on that cross above the church, that's straight out of the Kevin Smith run. Um, I love the Daredevil vision, like once he, he lost his sight and you can yeah. see like the blue outlines and stuff. I thought that was really cool. People talked about, you know, that was kind of silly and hokey and it didn't make sense, but it's not like we watch comic book movies for reality guys no no let's relax a little bit there uh we have claim to fame from knoxville david keith is from knoxville david keith plays uh matt's dad in the movie yeah what do you think about him uh in his apartment his weird uh isolation chamber bed it's kind of like uh in star wars it would be called a back back the bath tank Back to back to tank, um, or isolation chamber, or a pod that you would see in like hospitals these days or spas. I I understood it, but I thought that maybe it was too much of a reach for. It's kind of like a tomb, like a like a coffin. 
I feel like maybe they should have said more about it because, like, it yeah. makes sense if he his senses are so heightened that he'd never be able to sleep because he would hear yeah. and like I, this may be an extended thing, but he, he's sitting there and he's about to like submerge himself into it and he hears this girl like being killed. Yeah, she's screaming for help and he, he can't really do anything about it and she dies or whatever and he just is sort of numb and he yeah. just like, sinks down and goes to bed. So, yeah, it's like to block all that stuff out. Uh, maybe they should have said something about it because, like, as a kid, I didn't really understand it. I was like, why is he sleeping in a weird thing of water? Yeah. I don't understand. It. I thought, yeah. oh, is it is it like a healing thing, just kind of like in Star Wars, like the back to thing? But no, it's it's to since uh, drown out all the sensory stuff. It's sensory deprivation tank. Yeah. Um, I get it. But like I said, we probably could have used a little bit more dive into it what it is why he uses it um you know i'm not saying that you need to give us an entire page of dialogue about the about the sensory deprivation casket but a little bit would be nice um maybe even if it was between Electra and him or him and you know augie or something i gotta say dude this soundtrack is a banger. I still have this soundtrack to this day. I have the CD like in my CD library thing. This was like my kind of music. A lot of this is still my kind of music, but like Seether yeah. and Fuel and Evanescence and all that stuff. Like that was all my stuff in high school. Um, was this when Bring Me to Life was at its its peak? Yes, its yeah. peak. And my immortal was in there too for yeah. uh, her father's funeral. Yes. So like the video for Bring Me to Life is Daredevil. Was yeah. Yeah. Or at least the version of it was. But it's like them up in buildings and stuff like that. Yeah. So that was that's one of my favorite things about it. I love that. Oh, and yeah. the Punisher, which we'll get to the Punisher soundtrack as well, is really good. Absolutely. Um, you know, I the most memorable thing to me is probably um we had just gotten the first Mummy movie uh, with Brendan Fraser. And the guy who plays Electra's dad was also in The Mummy. Yes. Yeah. And I remember thinking, God, he's in everything. When I'd seen him in like three movies. Like, you know, like, no, he's close really proximity. not. Yeah. But close proximity. I had that same thought, too, and watching Daredevil because I forgot that that was him. And yeah. then he popped up and was like, hey, The Mummy. Yeah. Um, and his death and the fight with Kingpin are probably my two biggest memories because he almost saved Electra's dad, but because there was an explosion near him, it threw his senses off. And he yeah. is like, it's almost like for us, it'd be like my depth perception is off. So like right. my depth perception is off. I grab towards this glass of tea and if it's off, I might not grab it or I might hit it the wrong way and it spills. So basically it was like his version of his depth perception being off. He barely misses it. And it's his own nightstick that's being used against him. And it impels Electra's father. Um, <clears throat> that and the fight with Kingpin. Um, I remember this might be one of the first movies. Let's see, I was 14 at the time. So 
I would imagine uh, not really. We, we didn't really have the internet. We didn't have social media. Uh, mm-hmm. We had the internet, but we didn't have Facebook or MySpace or or you know blogs. Really, were weren't really popular. YouTube wasn't even. We didn't even have smartphones. Um, we hadn't even had the first iPod, Apple iPod, the big brick touch thing. We were still on. I think our biggest technology was flip phones at the time. Mm-hmm. So I remember distinctly being at a different movie after seeing Daredevil and someone in line talking about Daredevil. And I'm guessing it is what today we would call the fandom menace. Someone was complaining about Kingpin being black. Oh, yeah. And I remember this distinctly being like, that was the first time where I went, he's not even a real character. Why are you upset about his color? The story of Kingpin isn't driven by him being a certain color. For instance, you make Mulan white. That's a problem because her story is driven by being Asian. You make the top a girl, the vil- a villain in the flash, a girl. doesn't matter. Her story is not the story of the, the top isn't driven by their gender. The story of the kingpin isn't driven by their race. So why are you so upset? The voice of Kingpin in the animated series was black. Exactly. So I think it was my very first memory of a a nerd Nazi, a a toxic. I really really liked Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin. I kind of wish that there had been more of him. Yeah. Um, And I will say, like, yeah, the fight at the end with him was cool, but I kind of felt like the ending felt like, there were multiple innings like, okay, now it's the death of this person. Now it's, or the death of Electra. Now it's the uh, face off with bullseye on the organ in the church, which I thought was a really cool idea. Fighting on the organ and all the loud noises yeah. that were caused and the chaos and how hard. Yeah. That would be for. Uh, then there's the fight with Kingpin. And then there's, you know, all that stuff. I just felt like the ending was a lot. Like I would have maybe, and like today it would have been all of them, at once together like kingpin and bullseye teaming up against daredevil that's how they would do it today and then like electra and him are fighting together to even up the odds and then she dies and then he gets revenge or something so that i felt like was just a little slow paced um let's just kind of get into like good and bad overall yeah so good for me is the soundtrack is a banger uh, I thought that the costume looked cool. Ben Affleck looked cool, even if people weren't on board with his acting. Um, Kevin Smith's cameo, which I completely forgot about, completely forgot about that. And I, as a kid, man, this was a movie I had that I watched a ton of times. Um, totally forgot, and I loved that. That was a nice surprise. Oh, and the, the director's cut has this whole storyline with Coolio in it. Like Julio is uh, a, a client, really, of theirs. Yeah, and he's like they have this whole thing. Uh, there's a court case, and there's tons of stuff. So I'm gonna get this to you. You gotta watch it. So those are my good things. Bad things for me. Yeah. There's this really awkward moment where they're at a party, and Matt walks up to Electra and like smells her. <laughs> You can't do that, man. Even if you're a blind guy, you can't just, you can't do that, especially today. Um, some of the CGI, even for that time, even for 2003, was pretty bad. Like, 
him hopping yeah. off buildings and stuff. It kind of looked rough. Oh, really, a uh, really rough part was they had this cool fight sequence, like on a motorcycle on the highway and everything. And he like did some kind of big front kick to kick bullseye off the motorcycle. It looked really bad. Really that looked rough. Uh and I cringed because he was in the shower and he pulled a tooth out and dropped it in the shower. And that made me go, <laughs> but other than that, um, good for me, Ben Urich, uh, being Joe Pantoliano. Yeah. And him too. Uh, anything he's in, I enjoy, uh, whether he's the, the chief in the bad boys movies or, a mafia movie or anything Joe Pantoliano's in. Jackson, The Matrix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ignorance is bliss. One of the things that I remember is early in the pandemic, I was really listening heavily to Dax, <coughs> Dax's podcast, um, Armchair Expert, and he had Ellen Pompeo on there. And she talked about being Karen Page in this and uh, a lot of it getting cut. And her character was also supposed to be a considered a crossover character and be in Fantastic Four as well, s- silently building that connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was completely cut from it as well. So Ellen Pompeo, the great Meredith Grey, even had her her days of, oh, I'm a cut character. Is this really working out for me? And apparently she gave it like, She's like, I'm going to give it three more years or two more or something like that. And then I'm just going to go back to like finance or whatever. And then she got the call for Grey's Anatomy. And John Krasinski was, was going to do the same thing. He was ready to go back home. Uh, he was yeah. waiting tables and his mom was like, okay, just give it like one more month and then come on back home. And then yeah. he got the office. Yeah. I love stories like that. Me too. I love that. But we Karen Page, we now know, is a huge character um, in the show and in the comics. But I would say the, the best thing for me, though, is definitely Joe Pantoliano or that just, yeah, the fight with Kingpin. Because it's so beating him down, brutal. And that's what I think I wanted at 14 to say to this nerd nazi uh about like well who did you want that at the time is a big son of a gun like that can you know walk into a room and you're immediately intimidated who in the live action world at this time could deliver that for you michael clark duncan he is a massive man um green mile armageddon this movie, I mean, everything he's in, he's just this big man. And Kingpin is a big man. Just because he's drawn a certain way in a comic book or an animated show doesn't mean that in the live action world, he can't be different. Because he screamed, I'm going to get my ass kicked by this man. So I, re- I really, you know, I enjoy going back and watching it. I forgot what I hated so much about it. And I think a lot of that wound up being public sway. I started hearing so much crap and maybe it was, I I started hearing so many people say like, this was bad and that was bad. And I was like, yeah, it was. So so it sucked. Things can be bad and you still like to watch it. I mean, good Lord. 
go back and watch the never ending story. We loved that as a kid. And you put it in now, you'll go, ooh, this is bad. I used to love both of the old Fantastic Four movies, and I've really been scared to revisit them because they get such a terrible reputation. Um, yeah, but not as bad. Long as that, time. Not as bad as that reboot's reputation. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> maybe it, it causes people to look at them with a new appreciation. Exactly. That's what so, happened with Punisher, but we'll yes, get to that. That that's what happened. I think, especially with these three movies, is going back through them. I have a new set of eyes, a more mature set of eyes, um, a more appreciative set of eyes watching these. And we see them in a new light. So let's move on to the next one in our in our series here. The Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. This was written and directed by Mark Steven Johnson. That's the same guy who did Daredevil. It was released February 16th, 2007. Had a budget of $110 million and brought in $228.7 million. Let's see, 26% on Rotten Tomatoes with an average rating of 4.2 out of 10. IGN ranked it the 7 out of 10 worst comic book films of the decade. And that's something I think we should look up. Because if this is 7, I'd hate to hear what's 1, 2, and 3. Um. Nicolas Cage was nominated for a Razzie Award for Worst Actor. He lost it to Eddie Murphy in Norbit. (laughs) But uh, the movie was also nominated for Best Horror Film at the Saturn Awards. Okay. And there was a sequel uh, in 2012 called Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance that I saw in the theaters. And it is the first time that I can ever recall falling asleep in a movie, in a movie theater. Worst piece of crap I've ever seen. And I'm not hard to please, you know, but I thought it was absolutely dreadful. So did you pull up that list of the uh, 10 worst comic book films of the decade from IGN? Yes, IGN released this in 2010. And it, uh, I will go in descending order. Okay. Uh, Starting at number 10, X-Men The Last Stand. Okay. Daredevil at number nine. Spider-Man 3 at number eight. Ghost Rider at number seven. The first Fantastic Four at number six. <laughs> Electra at number five. The Punisher 2 at number four. Gee. The Spirit at number three. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen at number two. Oh. And Catwoman at number one. Okay. You know what? I happen to really enjoy the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I do too. And maybe it's because we're fans of the mythos of all those characters, Jekyll and Hyde, and freaking Dorian Gray's in it, and Dracula's wife. And it's like, dude, we always wanted a world where all these myths came together. And we get to see it. And freaking Sean Connery's in it. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't have put it at number two. I tell you that much. Well, in Electra falling below Ghost Rider, that uh, <clears throat> yeah says a lot about it too. Yes, it does. So uh, let's talk Ghost Rider, shall we? So Ghost Rider. <coughs> let's see. What do you remember about when this came out? This is 2007, our senior year of high school. What do you remember about this? 
Um, the thing that sold me on it in the trailer alone was that Sam Elliott was in it. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm a huge Tombstone fan. It's like right. in my top five favorite films of all time. Right. And Sam Elliott literally could read Clifford the Big Red Dog to me and I would go to sleep um, with that beautiful velvety voice that he has. Um, that was a selling point already. And I liked Nicolas Cage at this time because I was a huge fan of Face Off and Con Air. Um, and I was like, you know what? I didn't read a lot of Ghost Rider at the time. I would say... I read no Ghost Rider. I would say those last years of high school are probably when I did my least reading of comic books. Uh, and I was selective at that. Um, initially, even before dropping off, I was more selective of to DC or X-Men when it came to Marvel. I didn't know a lot about Ghost Rider, um, but I thought it looked cool. Um, Sam Elliott was in it. Nick Cage. I was like, oh, yeah, that looks cool. Dude, this was 17 years old was like the height of my Marvel fandom, dude, because like I'd always been a Spider-Man kid, Marvel kid, Daredevil and all the stuff that had come before. Um, And I remember like as this was happening, I was in some sort of uh, like a economics class or something. And we had to write like a research paper. I wrote my research paper on on Marvel. So I was all into this. I remember being at work at the mall and waiting for closing of the mall to go to the theater, meet my buddies and everybody um, on a Friday night to see Ghost Rider. And it was jam packed. Everybody was all excited about it. And like you, Sam Elliott, all that stuff. I was excited about it. And just putting the Marvel name on anything for me was like, all right, take my money, you know, Um. We've been asking ourselves all this time, like, oh, Mephisto, who's going to be Mephisto? Well, we've had the answer to this the whole time, and nobody ever thought to say, guys, Peter Fonda was Mephisto, okay? Never thought to, to even bring that up, uh, so I laughed about that. The funny thing is, is these three movies didn't do well in China, all three of these, for three very similar reasons. Uh, Daredevil, the occult. Devil, Devil, Ghost Rider, Mephisto, which is a big reason I think that they haven't pulled the trigger on him these days. Because yeah. China's a big movie market for Marvel. So, yeah. and The Punisher, all that gruesome, gruesome death. Terrible, violent. Do bad in China, you are forgotten in history when it comes to superhero movies. I think that this was my least favorite of the three that we're talking about. But there were a lot of things about it that I had a lot of fun with. Yeah. So why don't we just go ahead and get to the good and the bad? On this? Ava Mendez is the good. I'll tell you that much. A1 Steak Sauce. Yes. I wrote the yeah. same thing. Yes. Uh, beautiful. Not a particularly great actress, at least in this movie, oh. though. Her reporter character was a also in bit. Too Fast, Too Furious. Not the best. And Hitch. Not the best actress. But she totally nails the role of the hot girlfriend. Like, she's got that part down to a T. Um, the whole time, I was, like, shaking my head at, at, at Johnny Blaze. Like, bro, you're making the wrong choice here. Choose the girl. Choose the girl. Choose the girl. Yeah. But, you know, he was trying to protect her from his demon side. Guilty. 
Yeah. Let me tell you this much too. Nicholas Cage looks ridiculous in a cowboy hat. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. He put that cowboy hat on and I was like, bro, Take what? it off. What are you? I, but to be fair, I think most people look ridiculous in a cowboy hat unless they're Jim Ross, Chuck Norris, or John Wayne. Other than that, I think you look silly in a cowboy hat. Like some of this stuff, like when she showed up, why was she randomly standing in like the entrance way to the to the this is where we all stand to make a dramatic entrance because I'm your ex-girlfriend. What a name to have. What a sick name. Like if you have that name and you become like a teacher, you've 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 had a misstep. No offense. Um, You'd be a cool teacher, though. Probably. You would be a cool teacher. But like Blaze's class, what's your what's your accountant's name? Johnny Blaze. Uh, doesn't suit that that that, that dog doesn't hunt. Um, <laughs> um, but I enjoyed this one. Uh, the good would probably be Sam Elliott, Ava Mendez, and just the the wherewithal in that final fight where he was just kind of like, fine, take the souls. They're all guilty. And then did the penance stare. Stare. Guilty. Uh, the other guy, too, the guy that played Harvey Bullock in Gotham. Yeah. I did not see that death coming. I was like, oh, man, that sucks. Forgot about that. Yeah. So, like, the the beginning of the movie, the whole intro, like, young Johnny and him signing yeah. the contract and stuff, that was 20 minutes. That was a re- I, to me, it felt like a really long intro back then. We don't think anything about it, but like today, they do it so differently. Like they'll show you a really short origin, or they'll be flashbacks sporadically, sort of throughout, rather than hey, here's one big lump thing at the beginning of the movie to tell you how we got here. Um, so I kept thinking, like, man, this is a long origin, like a long intro. And I looked, it was like 20 minutes at the same time, also. It wasn't for 48 minutes until we actually saw him in Ghost Rider form. So that's but a little long. For that me. was a long time. Uh, but the transformation was sick, though. Like, yeah, that holds up. I thought that was cool. The point, you guilty, all that stuff. That holds up. Uh, Rebel, <laughs> Rebel Wilson. You know, they filmed this whole thing in Australia. So, um that's where they found her, and then she put on this great American accent. Yeah. Uh, and I've always remembered her uh, from that movie. Um, and let's not forget Brett Cullen as Barton Blaze. He, like, has been in, like, so many comic book movies subtly. Because yeah. he, he's in Dark Knight Rises. He's kidnapped by... Catwoman. He's the senator that's kidnapped by Catwoman. Hmm. He's Thomas Wayne in Joker. He's Barton Blaze in Ghost Rider. He's the congressman in Dark Knight Rises. Uh, he has done some voice acting in some Justice League cartoon and Marvel cartoons. Uh, don't know if you saw, watched The Replacements, the football movie with Keanu Reeves. Yeah. He's the quarterback that Keanu replaces. Martell the jerk quarterback. But yeah, man, he's like subconsciously been in three or four live action comic book movies along with voicing and animated comic book stuff. And it's crazy. I, I didn't even realize that, that when you said he was, uh, the, Thomas Wayne, 
Thomas Wayne. I was like, oh, that's it. Yeah. Is this funny to you, pal? One of my favorite lines was just real simple. Just it, for some reason, it kind of made me chuckle when uh, Johnny's waking up and Sam Elliott says, morning, bonehead. <laughs> for some reason, that just struck me as funny. Dude, Nick Cage was ripped in 2007. <laughs> Holy crap. I had no idea. Completely yeah. forgot about that. So, okay. I want to tell you uh, the couple of things that I did not like about it. The villains were meh. I thought Mephisto and Blackheart and all the silly like spare demons. Like one of them's power was to be really moist all the time. Like, Why I'm would sorry. you? I'm sorry, he was <laughs> choose that word. I'm sorry, he was like soaking wet. He was like soppy all the time. So one of them was like windy. I didn't like that. I thought that was lame. Um, and like he killed one of them by like <laughs> twirling his chain really fast. Here, here's some fast wind. Go away, uh-huh. demon. And okay, this this is something that bothers me. In the end, it's like, you know, he takes this, he made this deal and everything, and it wasn't a good deal, obviously. And now he's taking that power that he has, and he's turning it against the devil and all that. Great. I love it. Cool. But when he signed the contract, he didn't actually really sign it. And that to mm-hmm. me sort of is a big problem and, and kind of ruins the whole thing. Like the idea of him being here is like, yeah, he put himself before you know his dad and everything else and he didn't even have to think about it he made that deal but he didn't really though he had a he accidentally pricked his finger like he was looking at it oh oh he was surprised and then a drop of blood fell on it and he was like okay that'll do yeah it's it's very willingly say all right here i'm signing my name that would have been a lot more powerful don't you think (laughs) i mean it is mephisto i mean he's the devil yeah, and so he tricked him. That's I yeah. get that. And don't later be like, yeah, I made this choice and, you know, all that. No, man, you hesitated. To I'm me, that sort of defeats the purpose a little bit. So but. the funny thing about Blackheart to me is, do you, do you and Becky watch uh, Yellowstone? No. He's a main character in it. I knew about that, actually. It's a great show. It's pretty good. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm far from the Western way of life. <laughs> I would, I would be miserable living and being raised on a ranch, but it's a good show. Of course, anything Costner does is great. So, All right, so our third and final uh, movie on this retrospective look at the old Marvel movies, the days before the MCU. It's mm-hmm. The Punisher, directed by Jonathan Hensley. Uh, written by, and this was his directorial debut, and it was written by Jonathan Hensley, and he has also written Jumanji, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and Armageddon. So he's had a little bit of success. And uh, Michael France, who wrote the GoldenEye, Hulk, and... Ang Lee's Hulk? Yeah. Uh, The movie was released April 16th, 2004 by Lionsgate Films. And I know that it's a Lionsgate Films movie because when I popped the DVD in, my previews were for Saw and Saw 2 and gore and blood and low budget films, The Descent and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, figured that out. But Lionsgate Films have always been gory and bloody and like uh, stuff like that. Had a budget of $33 million and brought in $54.7 million at the box office. 
Uh, 29% on Rotten Tomatoes with an average rating of 4.5 out of 10. A lot of the critics talked about, oh, it's so grim and dark. Well, it's the punishment. That's why I'm like, you can't get critics who have never read the source material to judge a movie. That's what baffles me about like critics and Rotten Tomatoes and all that stuff. But like, it was so grim and dark. Well, did you ever read The Punisher? There's yeah. No, you shouldn't sort get to of, the movie. Sort of changes it a little bit. Yeah. Now, there was, and what I learned, I've always thought for years that the Punisher Warzone movie in 2008 was the sequel. That is not true. It, it was not a sequel. It was actually like a reboot. Um, and that's why, you know, Thomas Jane didn't come back. None of the same people were involved. It was a totally different thing. And I had that. I found the DVD of that at Sam's Club for $5. Should have been my first son. I took it home, <laughs> popped it in the DVD player, got halfway through it, and I'd had enough. It was yeah. so god-awful. It got torn up. like One of the worst things I've ever seen. Like Probably worse than the Ghost Rider sequel, but both of them were really, really bad. Really, really bad. So, yeah, memories of this one. Oh, I mean, the cast alone. I mean, Thomas Jane, uh, great, great Punisher. Loved him as the Punisher. Roy Scheider plays his dad. You know, that's the man who killed Jaws. That's Chief Brody from Jaws movie. One mm-hmm. of my favorite comedians, rest in peace, John Panette, plays oh, as, yeah. the, uh, as the roommate. Hey, um, hey. Nay, nay, Rebecca Romaine. Rebecca Romaine. Like, ben Foster. Already had done Mystique. Yep. And she's also one of the neighbors in his apartment series with the abusive boyfriend. Um, ben Foster, who went on to be a phenomenal actor. Um, he was a phenomenal actor, but he was a child actor, dude. He, well, was, yeah, in, he was a child actor. Um, and he was in X-Men. Uh, he was in X3. He was Angel. Yeah, he was Angel. Um, was a little upset with the miscast of the Russian because uh, Big Sexy is not Russian. So I was like, okay, he's American. Like, I, I get it, big guy. But he did a great job, though. Bring in a face that you'll bring wrestling fans to see it. Um, <clears throat> the The guy who sings in time at the cafe – before chasing him down and getting in a fight with him. I still listen to End Time. It's part of my pre-show playlist before I go on show, um, before I go on stage. Um, It's like that song, The Red, um, Coming Undone, Bad Company. Like End Time, since this movie, has been one of my hype songs. Um, Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Going back, uh, Marcus Johns, who, if you had a Vine, Mm -hmm. even if you didn't have a Vine. Sometimes I just don't care. You knew who Marcus Johns was. John Travolta's right-hand man, who was in Remember the Titans, Armageddon. Quentin. Quentin. Uh, This Uh, was a star-studded cast. That's Will Patton. Yes, star-studded cast. And I think that the wife, uh, Frank's wife, was uh, Princess Peach in the old Mario movie with John yes. Leguizamo and stuff. Yeah, she was. Is that right? Yeah. She looked like her. Yeah. I mean, star-studded movie from 
deaths in the beginning and his family all the way to the end. Great cast. A lot of good action. Brutal. The, you know, assassination of his family. Just no mercy. Absolutely brutal. That was the most memorable thing. I remember uh, seeing this back in the day or whatever and just like that was the most memorable thing to me. Yeah death of all of his family and you know now i was like oh this is gonna hit me so hard as a dad like have my family <laughs> and it did you know i felt it like i felt the most in this movie like i felt for him i wanted to see him you know yeah get revenge and stuff and and that's what so many things miss like when you don't have that connection to the character for me anyway like Eh, I don't feel anything. I don't care about him. I'm not really invested in the movie. You know, uh, Johnny Blaze and Ghost Rider, Nick Cage. I didn't care, you know, a bunch about it. I, I didn't have that that same feeling, that same connection. I, I cared more about Sam Elliott's Gravedigger than I did Johnny Cage. Johnny, I did. Uh, yeah, I did. Johnny Blaze. But I, you know, I, that wasn't lacking for me in this because Thomas Jane absolutely freaking killed it as Punisher. Not to say that uh, what's his face, the current Punisher, uh, Berthnall. Yeah, John Berthnall. Uh, Berthnall, have you say his name? He's great too. He's absolutely oh, yeah. great. Thomas Jane looked like he walked out of the comic book and was the Punisher. Yeah. Do you remember the PlayStation Punisher video game? Not really. No. Oh, I had the PS2 Punisher video game. Brutal. I bet. So good. Definitely rated M for mature, right? Yes, definitely rated M for mature. Uh, It gave me vibes of like uh, Max Payne meets, uh, was it Dead to Rights? The one with the dog. Mm. The PlayStation game with the dog. And you're just, you're playing the Punisher. Uh, it was so brutal, man. This the so many brutal deaths. Yeah, like the thing with Kevin Nash, the hot soup in the face, and uh, getting thrown down the stairs. Um, the what uh, kind of stupid son of a, brings a knife to a gunfight. The, the dude knife that got the knife. The the dude with the knife through the chin, like, and you can and see you his can, mouth. Yeah, you can see the blade in his mouth. And then, of course, John Travolta, not only does he trick him into killing his best friend, trick him into killing his wife, uh, but has him tied up to a back of a car. He's caught on fire, dragged into this explosion. Just absolutely brutal. This whole movie reminded me of, like, it was, like, so Shakespearean. Oh, yeah. The, the tragedy of the Punisher. Yeah. You know? and this in is the, the end, tragedy of Frank Castle. It was just... So good, man. Like, I might have enjoyed it the most out of these three. Yeah, I would Daredevil was a lot of fun for me, but this one, I think, just the 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 connection I had to him, the the realistic story to it and everything, um, I was all in. And also, like, they instead of doing a Punisher in New York, they did it in Tampa, Florida. Yeah. I don't know what – I don't know why that was, uh, but I grew up spent old summers in tampa and yeah. st petersburg and any school break i've spent a lot of time in tampa i know that area very well that bridge in the end the yeah. the the skyway bridge i've crossed that bridge hundreds of times That's so cool. 
I had a like lots of connections and things to this movie that I didn't expect that I would have because I think I wonder I've if they wanted to distance themselves from New York because they had already done Spider Man, Fantastic Four, and Daredevil, stuff like, and Daredevil. If they were like, let's not also put Frank in New York because people will start thinking like, how are we not running into other superheroes? Um, <clears throat> Couldn't which, tell you. You know, but I thought it was a good addition because it also added this at this element of it's a hot summer in Florida and this son of a gun is walking around in all black, black long trench coat <laughs> and stuff like that, killing people. Uh, sweat was an element, you know, the, the neighbors in his apartment didn't have air conditioning. Cause so they were always hot, always sweating um, and all that fun stuff. Uh, I think it added a cool element to like just that intense heat because the movie itself was intense. So adding that element of it's also freaking hot because if I'm uncomfortable, whether I'm too cold or too hot, I'm a miserable human being by nature. If if I'm one of the extremes, what what bad <laughs> what bad would you put in this movie? Um, I think I had said this last time I, we talked about it, like. You know, oh, um, you know, we're gonna watch The Punisher, and I haven't seen it in like ten years, and I don't remember much about it except everybody gets killed. It's brutal and it's really long. Um, I watched the director's cut, so it was like two hours and twenty minutes. Uh, did not, it didn't feel as long as I remembered it. You know, but I'm a lot older now and appreciate things differently. Gosh, you know, I don't. It's hard for me to pick bad. You know, honestly, I didn't love John Travolta in this. I thought he was kind of dull. That's it. Like, I thought the fight sequences were so good. The neighbor characters, that was a nice touch, nice lighthearted touch. But it was like, in the end, was there much of a purpose for them? Maybe I missed something. But like, they hinted this whole thing with Rebecca Romaine. Obviously, he's not interested because he's out to he's mourning. Avenge, avenge his wife and everything. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I it's hard. It's hard to say on the spot. Like here are the things that were bad about it because there wasn't a lot, in my opinion. Yeah. Especially considering you know it's supposed to be dark. It's supposed to be grim. It's supposed to be violent. All of those things. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, I agree. I I don't have much bad uh, thoughts or memories of the Punisher. Did you know that there was a short film, it was like a fan film, released uh, in 2012. It's called The Punisher Dirty Laundry, unofficial sequel. Um, Thomas Jane did come back, and Ron Perlman is in it. It was first screened at the San Diego Comic-Con in 2012. It's a 10-minute short movie. I've seen the first half of it. So... Huh. That is out there if you're a Punisher fan and hadn't heard about that. Go Did check it out. you ever uh, consider going back and watching the Punisher from when we were born? No. The one with Dolph Lundgren? No. <laughs> but yeah. we can. We can do that. There's also an old Nick Fury movie and well, Captain America, there's lots of stuff that we can Ooh. really dive into if you want. Talk about days before the MCU. 
<laughs> that one would those would possibly be pretty rough. One bit of trivia that I, I remember. Uh, did you know that Thomas Jane accidentally really stabbed Kevin Nash? I think I didn't know that. Yeah. And, uh, as an apology, Nash accepted cold beers from the film crew as compensation instead of money. Okay. Well, I know Kevin, Kevin Nash really loves money, but he likes to drink too. So <laughs> that sounds right. He will drink a beer too. He will do that. But man, I think that this was good. This was a good start off to talk about the pre-MCU days because you got to think about this. There's an entire generation of nerd who only know the MCU and probably haven't gone back and and watched these or been, you know, experienced these. Maybe their older siblings or parents didn't take them back to see these before the MCU was born. Uh, So... I highly recommend if you're listening to this and you haven't seen these three films. Uh, first off, if you are a nerdling uh, and you are under the age of 18, please don't tell the your parents that you're watching this R-rated movie because 30 and 30 podcast told you you still need their permission. We're not. We your do parents. not condone such things. Yes, we obviously didn't do it. We were good kids. We asked our parents for permission when we were under 18, obviously. Uh, cause we'd never be such bad influences. Um, but I highly recommend them just so you know where we came at from. At least, at least once. Yes. Least where once. we started before no, you guys got to. this beautiful continuity that is the MCU. There used to be days of not really much continuity in the MCU. Back in my day, we had to watch movies <laughs> with no connections <laughs> years in between them. And you had to form your own universe in your mind. Like, I like to think that Spider-Man ran into Frank Castle one day. They were friends, just we didn't get to see it. Tobey Maguire and Thomas Jane were in a a bar together, hanging out as Peter Parker and Frank Castle. And occasionally Hugh Jackman drops by, no big deal. Yeah. Did they show that in the movie, Grandpa? No. But in my mind movie, they were. Okay, Grandpa, let's get you to bed. But yeah, this was a great, great thing with that uh, we've done here, revisiting these old movies. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. Uh, sometimes it's a little nerve-wracking because I have such fond memories of them, and I get a little nervous that they don't hold up. But, you know, I appreciated these even more Yeah, uh, this time around. So, yeah, go check them out, people. And next week, speaking of appreciation. Yes. We are into the month of March. We are going to be celebrating women this month. Uh, And just like this month, uh, February, um, we celebrate women every every month, not just one. But we want to focus our episodes in the month of March celebrating women of the Nerdiverse, whether it be in comic books or the WWE or something like that. But we are each week we are going to be celebrating women in some form or fashion. Before we close out, I do want to say on behalf of 30 and Nerdy, uh, our thoughts um, are going out to the people of Ukraine. Um, I know that this is an intense time, and sometimes I think that the American privilege blinds us from the ways of the world. And here we are getting to do a podcast freely and uploading it and talking about whatever we want. And 
through American privilege, a lot of people forget that there are still in 2022 too many places in this world that don't get to do that. And whatever outcome happens, our thoughts are with the rest of the world because a lot of the rest of the world are kind of waiting on pins and needles to see where this goes. And it's scary. I know it is definitely scary for Ukraine, um, but I have to say our dear millennial generation, I'm getting a little sick and tired of living through moments that my kids will learn about in history, whether it's 9-11 or the pandemic or um, domestic terrorism on the Capitol or now Russia invading Ukraine. Yeah, uh, it's, it's getting old. It's getting scary. And uh, our thoughts go out to the people of Ukraine and anyone affected. Um, I know that uh, dancing with there's a, a dancer from Dancing with the Stars who's uh, stuck over there. Yeah, and, I saw that. And can't get out. His family's here, thank God. Um, but he's he's stuck over there. He's like, I can't get out. My family's in America, and thankfully they're safe. But um, it's a scary time. Uh, we hope that we can be an escape if you are listening. No matter where you're listening from, the U.S., uh, overseas, no matter where from, we hope that we bring some brightness to your de- to your week, uh, to your day when you're listening to us. Um, Juice, anything else from you? I'm good, man. Great. Um, be kind to one another. Um, be safe out there. Take care of yourselves. We'll catch you next week. Stay classy and cheers to you. You've been listening to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. Brought to you by Advertising Expressions. Encore Theatrical Company. Tennessee Legend Distillery. And the Gatlinburg Brewing Company. 30 and Nerdy Podcast is a bad cast company production. Founder of the Council of Nerds. Survive the apocalypse by finding 30 and Nerdy Podcast along with other amazing shows at podchaser.com. Looking for more on the 30 and Nerdy Podcast? Check out the website, 30andnerdypodcast.com. There you'll find our directory. We're on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and everywhere in between. To leave a voicemail, you can go to speakpipe.com slash 30andnerdypod, or you can leave an email, 30andnerdypod at gmail.com. Until next time, nerd up or shut up. Cheers to you, nerds.
twin 